Have you ever had something spooky happen? Something you can't explain. My name's Liana. And I'm Michaela. And sometimes you just have to ask yourself, what if it's haunted? to What If It's Haunted, you know, the podcast about validating your paranormal experiences. Yeah, that's us. Um, Well, if you're new, normally this is the point where my co-host Liana and I get started talking about spooky and crazy things we find on Facebook. But you know what? It's just me today, Michaela. Sorry, but not sorry, because you see, this is our official 10th episode. That said, we realize... We do like to talk quite a bit. Again, if you're new, you may not know that, but um, we do talk at least once or twice. But hey, we like to call it our charm. And some of you may be here just for some stories and like to skip past all that jabber. Well, we get it. I edit the episodes and find those stories enjoyable even after hearing them for the first time. This episode and every 10 episodes from here on out will be our recap of sorts. We will cut out all of the banter and you will be given a seamless cut of every story that was sent in for you to listen to, or if we had guests that also shared a story. Now, we know there are a few episodes where we've used stories found online, but at this podcast, the core is you, your stories, your experiences, your voice. This is also a chance to highlight that kind of as a thank you for sharing those experiences. I would like to preface this a little bit more with the fact that we make our own underscore in music. Well, my husband, Chris, does. There are even a couple of episodes where our past editor, Nick, he's made a couple of songs too. That said, we did rely heavily on our theme there for quite a bit, and still kind of do. Sorry, you're probably going to hear it a couple more times here and there, but it also means... Maybe if you want to share your story, we have more chances for variety. Am I right? Now, we're growing, and we're so happy that you're here with us. If you would like to share your story of the paranormal and even the extraterrestrial, please feel free to email us at whatifitshaunted at gmail.com or DM us on Facebook or Instagram at whatifitshaunted. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. All right, time for the fun. Enjoy all of these amazing stories. And don't forget to ask yourself, what if it's haunted? This story actually takes place on the Queen Mary. And for those of you who don't know, the Queen Mary is a retired British ocean liner that was in its proper use between 1936 through 1967. During World War II, she was converted into a troop ship, but was turned right back after to handle the passengers of the 1950s. The Queen Mary was one of two ocean liners that dominated the transatlantic routes. As she began to fall into disrepair and profits started to decline, she needed a new home. In October of 1967, she found herself in Long Beach, California. She's now a museum, attraction, and most importantly for our story, a hotel. Again, this was sent in by Tori, and her experience takes place in December 2015. This is when she was able to explore the ship's engine room, boiler room, isolation ward, captain's quarters, wheelhouse, and pool room with Matthew Schultz of Para Explorer Project. 
The tour group was small, with about nine people total, which is much smaller than the normal groups, and made the experience much more intense. Our tour guide led us around the different locations on the ship, but I honestly felt like the first few rooms were duds. It wasn't until we got to the engine room where I started to get weird vibes. At the top of the stairs, the tour guide shared some stories of incidents in the engine room before allowing us to go explore on our own. My mom and I made it down the stairs and through a hallway when I decided to join the rest of the group by following the light of the security guard's flashlight. Though a moment later, the tour guide called from behind us and the light was gone. The security guard was back with the group, and there was no one in front of us. No explanation of where the source of light came from or where it was leading towards after that. I was very on edge after what had happened and felt the atmosphere change. The last location we stopped was a pool, which I don't think is on the tour anymore, where there was often a young girl spotted and also a cat. We had gone into the locker room area in the pool to try and contact the little girl by providing her with children's toys. We were told to stand in the small shower spaces to keep the narrow aisle open, and all of the lights were turned off. Maybe 10 minutes into this experiment, I definitely felt something brush my leg. It could have been the cat for all I know. I was ready to leave. That was the end of the tour, and my heart was racing knowing I'd be sleeping in the same quarters as those spirits rest. I don't know if it was before or after the tour, but one morning I had explored the quarantine quarters on my own. A couple had just exited as I was going down. I spent some time reading the names of those lost when I heard a cough, which I had just brushed off. But on my way out, I noticed there was no one else down there with me. All right, uh, so this story is a little bit shorter and holds a bit of a personal connection, not attached to a tour guide or anything of the sort. Um, so, you know, it, it's just a, um, a weird story found in the wild. Sarah has shared with us a tale from a basement, which by their own right leans towards spooky to no fault of their own. All right, here's what she wrote. I've always been terrified of my basement, especially at night. It's unfinished, it's dusty, it's just creepy. The past few years, I do laundry at night, but always felt like someone was watching me. And if I turned to look under the stairs, I'd always see what looked like a woman quickly hiding herself. And I'd literally call friends down if I had to go down at night because I'd feel and see a, a woman figure. So last year, I went to my grandparents' house and finally asked my papa if anyone had ever passed away in that house. He told me his foster mom died at the bottom of the stairs. I'm not sure if she fell or if it was a heart attack or what the whole story is, but now I just think that she's checking out the washing machine because technology and trying to figure it out. But ever since he told me about her, I haven't really had an experience. Okay. All right. So um, the first story is from Grace. So basically, we were replacing our bathtub around 2008. In order to do so, we had to undo all the plumbing, etc. to get the old bathtub out and get the new one in. Anyway, we found a whole ass room behind our bathroom. It's kind of an L shape that fits around our bathroom and the opening is in the hallway. We use it for storage and a litter box now. But the wallpaper in the secret room looks like the bathroom could have been a bedroom. 
We didn't find any skeletons, but it's creepy to think that what if slaves or someone had to hide in that secret room until it was okay to go out? The opening is hidden by the bathroom door being open. So whenever someone closes the bathroom door, it's a big, dark hallway slash room in our house. I'm not religious, but I feel like there was a reason that was closed off other than plumbing. We could have had a huge bathroom. Also, did I mention the foundations of the house were laid in 1864? Super old and haunted, definitely. The secret room is upstairs, though, so probably not as old as 1864. Well, I hope this story makes it into the show because I want to hear someone else's opinion on it. Okay, our next story is sent in by Ariel. They begin. Where I grew up, there was a festival every year. It celebrated the traders and Native Americans that lived in the area a long time ago. Growing up, I went every year. The smell of smoke, the food, the souvenirs you could buy only that time of year. When I was 12, I went to the festival. I met up with my best friend and next-door neighbor, and we took our allowance around to the shops to find the perfect thing to take home. When I found it, I knew. A small, quarter-sized pendant necklace in the shape of a turtle. Carved from sparkling orange stone, it hung around my neck from that day on. I wore it every day. I named it Little Turtle. I wore it to school, to swim practice, always. That's when everything began. My best friend and I could feel it. We could tell there was something about this orange stone that hung around my neck. We started to invent the story of this necklace. We would look up into the clouds on beautiful fall days and see pictures and answers. Little Turtle was a Native American chief. He lived near our town. He had a fight with his brother. He fought for himself. He died and wasn't at peace. I lost the necklace after less than a year. The clouds didn't say anything to us anymore. Years later in high school, I thought about my necklace that talked to me about Little Turtle and his unrest. Enter Google. Search Little Turtle. It took nothing more than that. Little Turtle, a native war chief from northern Indiana. One of the most prolific war chiefs in the country. Died and was buried, but his remains were later unearthed. I couldn't believe it. I still don't think I do. Did I make up the whole story? Did I learn about him in school and not remember? Or did I really have direct access through a necklace? What if I hadn't lost it? What if it's haunted? So our story actually begins in Virginia, where Emily acquired a book from her dad at the age of 11. It was The Ultimate Hitchhiker's Guide by Douglas Adams, all five books in one. She never wrote her name in the book and began to read it. She got through the first part of the book and the second part of the second and lost it mysteriously. This was in middle school. Fast forwarding to high school. She went to a high school that was uh, split up from all her middle schools, you know, different districts and such. In ninth grade, she started hanging out with a girl from a different high school. This chick found the book, called her and returned it. She knew it was Emily's book because her name was written in it, which Emily did not do. And Emily also has a very specific na- way of 
of spelling her name, so I don't I don't want to hear anything about that, guys. Thanks. Anyway, she begins to reread the book in ninth grade, and again, when she hits this the the half point of the second book, she loses it again. Fast forward to sophomore year of college, she has moved. She is living in Chicago with her brother, and she sitting in the apartment one day and picks up a book off the shelf to read and guess what book it was the ultimate hitchhiker's guide by douglas adams again all five books in one all right she picks it up she opens it there's no name in this one and i think since that point yeah okay yeah since that point she hasn't started to reread it but she's kept track of it She's kept track of it. She has a fabric bookmark, that, one of those that's connected in the book, and has it in that spot, and that's where it was closed. She's never read further. She recommends the book to me, but she's never read further in that part. And when we were talking about it, uh, she went and found the book, and her name's not in it. Hmm. Yeah. This next story is sent in by Alex. He begins... When I was 11 or 12 years old, we took a field trip to St. Louis Art Museum. Our guide was in her mid to late 50s, had worked there for a long time, and had lots of behind-the-scenes info. When we got to the pre-Columbian section, we stopped in front of a small statue that looked a little like a cereal box with a tiny head and two cardboard tube arms. Not only was it not very aesthetically pleasing compared to all of the exhibits around it, but it was also reclined at an awkward angle. The guide stops to explain that this is a protection statue and that the head of the figure was a real human skull. And then she starts telling us that when the exhibit first opened, they installed the figure as it should, traditionally, facing south. I believe the direction was south. And standing up straight. The guide told us that during the first night, the figure was behind glass. It shattered. Which the guide told us, was strange, but not unheard of. They thought that the glass broke because of pressure or that the humidity controls were installed wrong. They reinstalled the glass, and the next night, the same thing happened. And since nothing was stolen and the glass was broken from the inside out, they had a guard posted to watch it the next night to see if they could find out what happened. And during one of the small windows, when the guard wasn't around the figure, the glass shattered again. One of the museum workers got in contact with the pre-Columbian historian who brought in the figure, who, upon hearing this, immediately told them that they can't have the figure facing south and standing, because that's how it gets its power. And they relocated and put the figure in the same reclined position it is today. But if you go to the museum today and follow the gaze of the skull to the glass, you can see scores of small cuts on the glass. But if you rub your fingers over the glass, you can tell that they are on the inside. It's also a little weird that St. Louis, as a town, takes its superstitious locals very seriously. The house where the exorcist kid lived and the famous haunted limp mansion are in St. Louis. But there isn't much info or investigation into this amazing, blatant evidence of the supernatural. Thanks, Alex. Okay, um, so moving on from people dying in our houses, something uh, cool happened when I was getting my hair done. 
I actually told someone about our podcast who didn't ask me about it. Yay. Now, it was because you were sending me some of the pictures and then the trailer. And I was like, oh, my God, we looks like like it looks so good. It looks really good. Shout out to Beth. It looks really good. Um, so from that, I turned around to uh, the hairstylist and I was like, you know, I'm trying to get comfortable asking these questions now. So I told her, you know, we have this podcast. I was like, you, you know, you don't have to listen if you don't want to. I'm like, but I'm showing you these pictures because these look really cool and I'm really proud of them. And then I'm like, and in order to be a good host, uh, do you have any stories? Has anything spooky or haunted happened to you? And let me tell you, she did. So I, you know, it, we just, it was just conversational. So I have notes. I came home and I, I wrote down what I remembered. Um, so she has a couple. So I'll just, uh, I'll try to condense them. Um, the first one, she didn't want to talk about too much. Um, she said in general, in her childhood home, she would hear voices. Things fell off the walls. Very specifically, she said the TV would turn on to white noise. You know, like that channel where like nothing's going on. Um, and nobody would believe her because stuff in her house really only happened to her, which then I told her that thing you told me about how teenagers, like teenage girls specifically, um, I guess attract this kind of occurrence. I'm going to say occurrence. She spoke of this one night that she said she didn't want to say a lot about because it terrified her. She woke up and she wasn't able to move and it was very dark and from like out in like I think she said towards the closet or one of the doors in the room. So either closet or hallway door, she heard in a very guttural voice. Um, I like, get out. Get the fuck out. Okay. And she heard it repeatedly. So this voice kept repeating this. And she wasn't able to move. So she just thought. And um, she said, no, this is my house. I'm not going anywhere. And like things along those lines. And oh, um, very important part to this is this was in the middle of the night. And she doesn't remember sleeping that night. She just remembers that point and, like, her being awake in the morning. Uh, and that was the last of it. That was the last occurrence she had in that house. And then at some point while she lived there, her mom did see something. Her mom was always skeptical of her and told her she was, you know, hearing things as in hearing sounds, not voices. And about a week after her grandpa passed away, her mom saw him standing like just for like a moment behind the couch with his like arms on like the kids that were sitting on the couch, kind of as if to say like he's he's like watching over them. And she saw it pretty clearly. So, and her mom still doesn't believe her, even though like her mom told her that she saw this. Um, so that's like snippet number one. And then her second story was more recent. It was just a few years ago. She moved into an apartment with her husband. So it was an apartment complex, you know, indoor doors, and like, you know, you know, all the people around. And so. Weird things would happen in there, too. Things would fall off the walls, you know, get knocked over. Well, not knocked over, but, you know. Uh, and this one thing uh, was the thing that stood out the most. It was coming up to Halloween. I mean, not Halloween. I wish it was coming up to Halloween. No, coming up to Christmas. And so she did that thing where you decorate your door as a gift. Except she used, like, really cheap dollar store um, wrapping paper. And one morning... After her husband had left for work and she was still home sleeping, somebody had removed the paper 
folded it nicely, no tears, and left it on her table. While she was sleeping, the doors were locked. Um, She went and checked with her neighbors and security, and her husband confirmed that the decor was there when he left. And, yeah, it was behind the locked door, just folded very nicely on her, like, kitchen table. Um, So she called, uh, she had a friend of hers, I forgot... I forgot what he does that he had some insight on this, but he helped her figure out um, that her place was built over an Indian burial ground. And he advised her not to use sage because that could invite something in. He had her use holy water. She just, she went to a church nearby. She walked right in. There was a place where there was holy water. I don't know how these things work because I've never gotten holy water from a church or anything. Uh, But she went with like a flask and just filled it with holy water. And then um, her friend gave her, uh, he gave her something to say and she didn't remember exactly what it was, but it was along the lines of like, uh, like we mean you no harm, but you know, like kind of please get out kind of thing. Um, So she didn't remember exactly what he said. He just texted it to her and she you know, and I asked her, I was like, so how did you use the holy water? She just splashed it about, like, I guess from, like, the flask, just kind of splashing it. Um, I guess I'll start with my story. I'm going to read it in this voice. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Okay, so this was sent in by Katie. So she starts, when I was 15, I lived with my dad and stepmom in a little old farmhouse in Hebron, Indiana. After school one day, I went down to the basement to do some laundry. This basement had a small root cellar that still had a dirt floor and slatted wood door. When I walked down the stairs, I knew that the light bulb in the root cellar was off, considering it was a room we never went in or used. While doing my laundry, I heard some floorboards creak upstairs and got the chilling feeling that I wasn't alone. I loaded up the basket with clean clothes and turned to walk back up the stairs. That was when I noticed the light streaming through the slats on the cellar door. I thought, well, that's odd, and put down my basket to turn off the light. As I unlocked the door and pulled it open, I was faced with the image of a man in a three-piece suit hanging by the neck from the middle of the cellar. I screamed, backed out of the cellar, and pushed the door so hard shut that it got lodged into the dirt floor. I ran up the stairs and locked myself in my room until my dad got home from work. He could hear the alarm on the washing machine, so he went to the basement to switch it off. He then saw that the cellar door was stuck, so he came upstairs to ask me about it. I told him what I had seen, and he promised me that I didn't have to go back in the basement. We later went to the library to learn about the house's history. It turned out that a man had hung himself in the basement after a blight killed his crops in the early 1930s. I've seen other spirits since then, but this will always stick in my mind as the first one. Okay, so Christine from Destinations Beyond Paranormal. So they have a YouTube um And that's their YouTube name, Destinations Beyond Paranormal. So last night, Christine actually contacted us on our Instagram. So Christine just started, hey, I have a paranormal paranormal YouTube channel. If you would like to check it out, here's a link to one of my videos. And now I have also been researching not only spirit guides, but spirit boxes, Um, which do you know what a spirit box is? 
I do not. Okay. Well, a spirit box is basically it runs through different frequencies all the time. A lot of them use AM, FM and just flip through all of the channels really fast. And they'll pick up either voices or voices will come through. There's a really nice one that I've seen on TikTok this guy uses. And um, it's really smooth. But this this is pretty cool. And I wanted you to hear it. So I'm just going to read what she put in the description here for this video. So this is my haunted house clip one on destinations beyond paranormals YouTube. And we'll link this in our description as well. So the description goes from the time that my husband and I purchased the house, I would hear footsteps on the second floor. I would be in my kitchen and see an apparition in the corner of my eye. I have even heard people talking, but I would be the only one in the house. After several experiences, I decided it was time to do a paranormal investigation. I was not all that shocked when I captured all of the evidence because I knew that I was not crazy and there was something in my house. I just had to prove it. My house is 140 years old. There has been a lot of families and memories in this house. I believed that some of the energy from the past still remained in the house. This is just the first video clip of my haunted house. I will be adding more videos to my haunted house as I capture more evidence. Subscribe to my channel and be notified when I add more videos of my haunted house and other haunted locations. So, like, obviously I was intrigued. <laughs> and, and I'm going to skip to where she's using the spirit box because she kind of starts the video so it, it, it doesn't take very long to get to the spirit box but are you are you ready are you prepared I, I am and after this you need to tell me exactly what a spirit box is because like you told me but I have more questions so yes you yes, have more yes. questions yeah like is it on all the time what are you doing with it like is it just flipping is, is it recording I have a million questions well she's holding it's a little um it's just a little radio thing okay but, okay 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 and all of them look different okay Back to. How many ghosts are here?
Mom, are you here with me? Oh. I just said Christine. Mom, are you here with me? Oh. I just said Christine. For my viewers that are unaware, my name is Christine, and my mom had passed away back in April 2019. We also caught several anomalies on the connects. But, like, it did say 30, because when she asked, like, how many ghosts are here, it said 30. Um... When I was 18 and in my first apartment, me and my boyfriend got into an argument and he left. I was sitting on the couch late at night and my son was next to me sleeping. I hear pop noise from the kitchen. I lean forward and see all the cabinet doors were open. Scared shitless was an understatement. The next night, the exact same thing happened, except when I leaned forward, I saw all the cabinets opening this time. I honestly felt like it was my sister's spirit letting me know she was with me and there was nothing to worry about. She didn't have to let me know she was there. Um, I have another one. It's a mini. It's a mini. It's another comment. It's smaller. It's shorter. Um, and it is from a buddy of mine. It says... Saw my grandma die in my apartment the night she died. I didn't know she had passed until the morning, and she told me to take care of my niece. It's kind of sweet. And, like, I identify with that a lot because, you know, the energy from my grandma passing to take care of my mom. But mine was all energy. It's all feeling. Um, the building that this shop was at uh, was an old house that had been set back from the road. And when we moved into this, we we leased it and we moved in to open up the store, we blessed and cleansed this space so that there would be harmonious energy. We're not trying to kick spirits out. We do want them to go where they're supposed to. Uh, but we had done spiritual work to just bring harmonious vibrations there. And through the years, uh, there were situations and things that happened at this place. And there were very, there were things that had happened through the years that were unexplainable, that, that there is no... It's not like you take pictures and you see orbs and it could be dust, you know. So this story was well into us having this store and there was no context to why it happened or um, there was no trigger to it. Everyone was out of the store when all of this transpired. Okay, so this story is from Peg, and she's a friend of Frank, and we haven't edited the story at all, so every time I say I, it will be Peg. And let's, uh, let's get right into it. So the story is titled, Dreams Do Come True. This story is crazy and a little longer. Frank and I had the shop, but he had moved to Nashville and drove to Clarksville to read a couple of days each week. 
He called me early one morning before I headed to the shop and told me about the really weird dream he had during the night. He said the dream didn't make much sense, but he had seen something red all over the floor. He saw pictures upside down. He saw something white on the floor and something about a hand on a chair. There were a few things he mentioned, but this was about 10 years ago, so hard to remember them all. We moved on and talked about other things, and then I needed to get ready to head to the shop. Leah had arrived at the same time, so she unlocked the door, and we both went in together. She walked through the office, and she was in front of me as we headed into the kitchen to turn on the lights, etc. She stopped dead in her tracks. I looked to see what had stopped her, and all across the kitchen floor was a big, unraveled roll of red tickets. They were still connected, but unrolled and twisted in piles and strung out. Just a big mess of red tickets on the floor. So that freaked us out. Like, who was in the shop? Who would do this? It was then I remembered Frank's dream, and that he had seen something red all over the floor. Oh, shit. We had a curtain that was hung in the doorway between the kitchen, private space, and the public part of the shop. We kept it pulled closed even when we were closed for the day. I was freaked out, but we knew we had to open the curtain and see if anything else was messed up. I pulled the curtain back a bit and screamed shitless and peeked. Holy hell. Sitting on the floor between the tea room and the merchandise room was a white ceramic angel that had belonged to my grandmother and a large white crystal selenite tower that was something white on the floor. These items had been on top of a tall bookcase across the room. Now we're both freaking out. Leah decided to call Phil and ask him to come to the shop. And because we were too scared to investigate further, Phil said, I thought you guys liked that stuff. But he came. Ha ha. So we had a local artist who sold her framed painting in our shop. They were hanging on the walls in several rooms. Each painting had her business card slipped into the bottom right corner of the painting. We noticed every painting had been turned upside down, but still hanging on the wall and facing outward. Just upside down. That was the pictures upside down. But the weirdest part was the business cards were still in the bottom right corner of each painting, even though the painting was upside down. Jeez. There were other things really freaky. We had been unpacking a new shipment of books the day before, but at closing time we decided to leave everything as it was and finish the next morning. The boxes and books were missing, not where we had left them in front of the bookshelf. We noticed the door to the classroom was closed. We never closed that door except during a class. Scared as we were, Leah and I tried to open the door but met resistance. It opens inward, into the classroom, but there was something up against the door. I bet you can guess what it was. Three boxes of books stacked one on top of each other, right smack up against the door that opens into the room. How could someone have placed the boxes against the door and exit the room? It was the only door in the room. Exit through the windows? They were all locked. I can't remember now if Frank mentioned this in the dream, but this shit was not right. One last thing that Frank mentioned in his dream that we still couldn't figure out was a hand on a chair. Creepy, right? We examined every single chair in the shop. The cushy wingback chairs, Frank's reading chairs in his room, nothing about a hand or a handprint, nothing. By then, Sarah had arrived for work, and she and Leah were still trying to figure it out. Everything else Frank had mentioned seeing in his dream, we discovered in the shop. No way he could be wrong about a hand on a chair. They decided to go upstairs into the day spa 
to check the chairs. No one had gone upstairs yet. They searched the chairs in the room, but no hand. Sarah walked over to open a door that leads to the unfinished part of the attic. Just a wood floor, wooden beams. Could maybe be used for storage, but wasn't. When Sarah reached for the doorknob, Leah thought, oh yeah, we haven't looked in there yet, and headed across the room to see. Sarah opened the door, and there sat a metal folding chair from the classroom downstairs, and on the seat was a metal hand. I think Frank had gotten it in Mexico? The hand had been downstairs in Frank's room. Sarah saw the chair and the metal hand and immediately screamed and turned to run down the stairs, practically knocking Leah down. Leah screamed bloody murder and hauled ass behind Sarah. They came screaming and flying down the stairs. I don't even think Leah knew why they were screaming, but she didn't stick around to find out. By the way, Phil did show up, but I don't remember him making any difference in our fear level. And that was the story. I should have. I should have probably like prefaced that with like, this is my family. So I think Peg, um, <clears throat> so Peg is my aunt and then Leah's my cousin, Phil's her husband and Sarah is, she worked at the shop, but she's friends with Frank and Peg as well. So, um, that's the, uh, the, the people that were mentioned, that's their home. That's where they belong in that world. But yeah. Um, I feel like I remember hearing about that story just because it was so like crazy, but it was kind of cool to see it written out as well and like hear it. You know, um, I, at that point, I was already living here in Nashville. Um, Peg pretty much stayed um, at home. Not many people had keys to the store. And this wasn't the first time we had had experiences there. That was the first time that was very evident. And uh, I remember it being having, I remember, I remember having that dream a Sunday night to a Monday morning because the store, the shop, Celestial Essence was closed Sundays and Mondays. And I was already living here in Nashville when I called her to, you know, do you have any questions, to uh, chit-chat with her, and off the cuff mentioned this very odd dream. But what struck me were very odd things. So our classroom, the, the, the way that the door opened to the classroom, the thing that I need to add to this is this shop was in an old house, probably built sometime in the 40s or 50s. This would have been at some point a bedroom. The door opened into the bedroom away from the hallway and there were books that were found right by behind the door. The windows couldn't be open past a certain point. So there's no way that someone could have gone into the classroom, closed the door, put the boxes of heavy books uh, behind the door and climbed out the windows because the windows at some point were painted uh, shut. 
So they couldn't open past a certain point. So that struck me. While this is going on, I'm still here in Nashville. I have no idea that they're walking through this store. And I have no idea that they're encountering this. So when they went upstairs, so you walk up the stairs and it's this open landing and a base of uh, an open landing and an attic that had been converted into a spa. That was locked because they had very special equipment. They had very expensive equipment. And the opening to the rest of the attic was there. So number one, we couldn't have gone into that space anyway, let alone a chair up there. And the metal hand that I had found, I bought this in Mexico. It's a hamsa. The hamsa is a Middle Eastern symbol or amulet of a hand with an eye in the palm said to repel the evil eye. I believe that when you are experiencing a haunting or a spiritual or paranormal experience, you're having the experience because of something. You're supposed to heal something. You're supposed to learn something. There's some kind of spiritual agreement. And the only thing that I could come up with through years of having experiences here, very odd experiences. I'm not talking about orbs or odd sounds. I'm talking about from a physics standpoint, there is no way that a door can get unlocked. From a physics standpoint, there's no way that books can get behind a door. So uh, the only thing that I could think of as to why we were having these experiences is sometimes a house or home feels neglected. And just like every living thing wants a little bit of attention. It just wants to pay attention to me, you know, and it could have been that. But all of these experiences felt to me as if it was like a Dennis the Menace <laughs> character. You know, this little kid that's like running around, <laughs> knocking stuff over, taking stuff down. The feel that I got was not malicious at all. It was jokester. It was, let me prove to you what I can do. <laughs> you know? I mean, everything that, my back, everything went downhill with my back. You know, I lost a career. The family fell apart. Everything was just going to shit in that house. Um. And then we, we were watching the ghost hunters thing, right? And this is when you were, you know, the girls were hearing stuff. And I kept telling you, oh, no, no, there's no ghosts. There's no ghosts. There's no such thing as ghosts. Because I didn't want anybody to get scared. And it seemed like the more I kept telling you guys there was no such thing as ghosts, the more shit started happening in the house. The girls wouldn't sleep in their room. 
I don't know if you remember, they were sleeping with me because they couldn't sleep in that upstairs bedroom. And then things started happening in that bedroom. They had this, uh, they had this toy claw game where, you know, your claw comes down, you pick something up and it, you know, like the, the big toy claw games that you have in the store, they had a toy one there and it would play music. Every once in a while, it would turn on and off. All of a sudden there would be music playing out of that thing and then it would stop. So I got tired of it. I'm like, what the hell? It must be, you know, a loose cable or loose wire or something in there. I went up there to to figure out what was going on with it, and it was battery operated, right? Well, there are no batteries in it. It's not that the batteries were dead and maybe just kind of draining out a little bit and would turn on and go. There were no batteries in it at all. It was turning on without batteries, which is, you know, fundamentally impossible to do. <laughs> it doesn't have a power source. It doesn't turn on. And you'd be, I'd be upstairs and you would hear somebody running up the stairs and you'd look to see who it was. And right where you would see him get to the top of the stair, there was nobody there. There's never anybody coming up the stairs, but you'd hear it. And then I had that, uh, I had my little, I didn't have a, the, the, iPad touch or iPod touch yet. I had the little, uh, just a little iPod that you could watch a movie on. I mean, the screen was like a two inches by two inches kind of thing. Well, I'm up in bed and I actually have my feet towards where the, where the pillars usually are, where the wall is. And I'm laying there and it's plugged in to charge and I'm watching a movie. And all of a sudden it felt like the, the thing got, was almost got knocked out of my hand. I thought, what the fuck? I thought it was the cat messing with the cable or something. And I looked, and there was no cat, no nothing. And I laid that back down, and I'm watching. And all of a sudden, it did get knocked clean out of my hand. Like somebody smacked it out of my hand. Didn't hit my hand or anything. It was like they hit, smacked the, the unit itself, and it went flying out of my hand. Well, one night, I mean, this stuff started while Jen was still there. So one night, we are laying in bed and going to sleep. And it's quiet, the TV's off and everything. And all of a sudden, it sounded like she yelled right, I, right in my ear, Mike! And I turned around and said, what? She's like, I didn't say anything. What do you mean? You just called my name. She's like, no, I didn't. It was like right in my ear. So this stuff is going on. And then one night, I think you, all three of you guys were up in the bedroom with me, Right? And we heard that thing and something crash in the kitchen. Now the cats, I mean, we had everybody up there, the dogs, the cats, everybody's in the bedroom. There's nothing downstairs. So I went down to see what it was. And the salt shaker was in the middle of the kitchen. And the salt and pepper normally sat up on top of the, the oven. You know, where you have the, you have the stove and then you have that place where the clock is and it sat up on top of there. I tried my hardest to figure out how that thing could fall and land in the middle of the kitchen. There was, it was impossible without being thrown. So, you know, we were watching that stuff. So I went to Walmart and I bought one of those digital tape recorders. And I thought, okay, well, I'll try, see if we get anything. So I started by, I had to take Madison to school out in Lincoln, which was like a half hour, 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back. So like 30 to 40 minute drive. 
there and back, right? So I would take it and I would leave it on the banister. And I, I actually still have all those recordings. I never recorded over them. I still have those recorders and the recordings. You would hear things. You would hear voices. You would hear noises in the house and everything. But the two, the two that I remember the most that were really freaky was one when I'm, I, you know, I, I got home and I'm listening to it. I listened to the whole thing. And about 10 minutes before I got through the door, you hear Liberty. It was our dog at the time. All of a sudden, she used to lay by the door waiting for us. You hear her start to get up. And then you hear, like, somebody pats her on the chest like this. You hear, what a good puppy. Nobody's in the house. You guys are all at school. I've left the house. The house is locked up. And you hear a male voice say, what a good puppy. And you can hear Liberty. You can hear her collar shaking like she's being petted and then patted on the chest. Um, the other one was I left it on, I had a fireplace in the bedroom and I left it on the mantle. Well, I went and I went and laid down. I turned off the TV. There was nothing on there. No TV on downstairs. There was no noise in the house. And I let it run for like 20 minutes, I think 15, 20 minutes. And then I went and listened to it. And you could hear what sounded like two people talking to each other. And one of them said, I don't think he's interested. It pissed me off because I was obviously interested because I left the thing on there. But the one that got me the most was I was sitting in the recliner. And I saw something move out of the corner of my eye. And I turned and I see this woman walking towards me through that the archway that went into the, the other the family room. I and mean, we were in the living room and the family room where the dining room table was. There was a woman walking towards me, smiling. She had really short hair, like a 1920s finger weave hairstyle. And everything below the neck was just black. And she was walking towards me, smiling. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I turned and it was gone. So eventually we ended up having a paranormal group come out and check out the house. And I told them the stuff doesn't, I mean, you know, we always saw the shadow people go through. You could see shadow people in the house. Megan and Madison's room was just a hot spot. There was something going on in your room. You were saying that you heard people laughing. Uh, Megan heard stuff and had stuff happen there too. But I had this group come out and they caught, they caught a couple of EVTs. One was a growl. I don't remember what the other one was. They caught an anomaly in one of the a big foggy thing in, in, one of their pictures, another one was a big shadow on the ceiling. Um, but what was getting me is that I, I asked them if I could use their dowsing rods. Because I didn't trust them. You know, I, they were going to use them. I said, well, let me use them because I know I wasn't going to manipulate them, right? And it was the damnedest thing. I and mean, they, they freaking worked. And what we got answer wise from that was there were there were actually three ghosts that lived there a male a female and a child <clears throat> and they said that they didn't we didn't know any of them because i was interested to see if it was john because he had just recently died back in 2007 and this was i think 2010 i think we had them over so i was wondering if it was john and my mom hadn't died yet 
So I didn't know who this, this could be. And apparently we didn't know any of them, but then again, you also can't trust, you know, are they lying or whatever? So there were three of them. There were three of them that were there. This is, this is the one that gets me is after we moved out. Right. We left Megan's cats with the neighbors. Remember the new, the new family moves in and Megan went over there to see the cats. And there's a kid that lived there and they're outside playing. And the, the girl from the, the new family that moved in the house was found out Megan used to live there. And the girl goes, so you used to live here, right? And he's like, yeah. Well, when you lived here, did, did like weird things happen in the house all the time? This family was sitting in, in, you know, the, the family room where our TV used to be, they were sitting there too. And they had a potted plant up on top of the TV. You're sitting there watching TV, and all of a sudden, the flower the potted plant launched off the television straight at them. So it wasn't just us. It wasn't just that we were going crazy or whatever. But yeah, there was, and I'll tell you what, when I, when I moved down here and got out of that house, it was night and day, how I felt, everything. The house, you could tell, that, that house was heavy. Um, supposedly, there was an Indian site somewhere in that field over there uh there are other people that uh, along that the wash that's there the water there are other people that have reported stuff in their houses in that area i don't know how how true that is that was according to the the ghost people but it was it was bad there i don't know if you remember it was bad they were there was stuff going on constantly in that house and we had the guy get, do the blessing in the house. He tried to get rid of them, but it, they didn't go away. It got quiet for a little bit, but eventually it started back up again. 